going to look at Josh Berry's career and see if he's the best choice to replace Kevin Harvick in the four car. We'll also answer one of your questions, and we'll talk about the upcoming Ally 400. We've got a lot to cover, so stay tuned. Episode number 15 is underway. My name is Josh, and I'd like to welcome you back to the Stage Break Podcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you so much for checking it out. I hope you enjoy your time with us today. Well, on Monday, we announced our very first giveaway on Instagram. We're giving away a pair of JBL 510BT wireless headphones. They're Bluetooth headphones. And instead of dragging you through an entire episode or making you skip all the way through to figure out where the giveaway is, we're going to go ahead and announce it right here and right now. Uh, Geico Man Racing, the picker wheel has picked you. So congratulations to you. You are the winner of the headphones. Again, Geico Man Racing, congratulations. I'll be in touch with you soon uh, to get uh, your new headphones shipped your way. Uh, and by the way, thank you so much to everyone who entered this giveaway. I appreciate uh, the people doing so and tagging the other people. And we'll, we'll do this from time to time. So if you want to enter the next one, be sure to follow me on Instagram. That's where these are going to take place. So follow me on Instagram at the Stage Break Podcast. And uh, next, next one that comes up, be sure to get your name in there. Well, we're going to cover some major news, and the biggest news of the week is that Josh Berry is going to be joining Stuart Haas Racing for the 2024 season, and he's going to drive the number four Ford Mustang in place of Kevin Harvick since he's retiring. So the question, as we've staged it in the the show title, is, is Josh Berry the best man for the job? So to answer that question want to take a look at his career a little bit. So what's his cup career look like? Well, he doesn't have much cup experience. Uh, He raced two races back in 2021 for Spire Motorsports, and in those two races he finished 30th and 26th. Not really much to show there. But then this year, as uh, we all should be aware of, he's had a a little bit more experience in a cup car. Uh, He raced Eight and eight different races for Hendrick Motorsports as a substitute driver whenever uh, Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman uh, were recovering from injuries. So uh, he was a fill-in driver, and in eight races, he has three top tens, one top five, which is a second-place finish at Richmond. And here's a really cool stat for you. Out of those eight races, there were a total of 2,460 laps run. Now, Josh Berry ran... All but 12 of those. So 2,448 laps, Josh Berry got in, which if uh, you've heard any, you know, if you've got a new driver or someone who's not as experienced in a car, for instance, Carson Hosevar, um, I think that was New Hampshire, um, not New Hampshire, I forget exactly the track. It was recent. Carson Hosevar filled in, drove the seven um, in place of Corey LaJoy. Uh, basically, he, they said just run all the laps, and that's what you want out of a new driver because they're they're getting their feet wet. Uh, you don't necessarily expect them to go out and rock the world and 
and uh, flip the, the, the media upside down and put their name on headlines. They're just trying to get all the laps in, get, get experience in the car, which is what do you want them to do. And I believe the statistic was he ran 99.5% of the laps that uh, he could have run in all eight races combined. So that's a really good job done by him by just getting out there and running all the laps in a cup car this year. And that's a huge challenge because he's with a team that he hasn't been with before, with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, and so I guess there is some Chevy Alliance, but still, I mean, he's running Xfinity full-time. He's not running cup full-time. And so he jumps in this cup car, and, and by the way, two different teams, you know, the the 9 team and then the 48 team. So uh, with with those eight races, he's got some pretty good stats going for him. But what's his, his career look like as far as the Xfinity series goes? That's where he's primarily been. Well, he's raced uh, in the Xfinity series since 2014. So from 2014 to 2017, as well as 2021, he ran part-time. So there were, there were no Xfinity races that he ran from 2018 to 2020. But from 2014 to 2017, and then including the year 2021, he was primarily with Junior Motorsports, and over that five different five over those five seasons, he ran a total of 29 races, which is fewer, I believe, than the total number of races in a single season. So, you know, take five years, five different seasons, and he didn't even accumulate a, an entire season's worth of races. And here's what he did with those races, which, by the way, 2014 to 2017 were very sporadic, like one race here, two races in this season. Uh, three races in this season, you know, back to one race the next season. Like it was, it was hit and miss. And then 2021, he ran like two thirds of a season. So out of those 29 races, what did he accomplish? Well, he got 14 top tens, six top fives, and uh, got two wins out of that. But now that he's full time, he was full time in 2022 as well as this current season. So what's he done since he's been full time with Junior Motorsports? Well, he's got. Th- uh, 30 top 10s in just those two seasons, 17 top 5s, and three wins. Now, I want to highlight the the places where he's gotten those three wins. He's gotten a win at Dover, Charlotte, and New Hampshire. You say, why is that important? Well, because they're three different types of tracks. It's not like he's good at super speedways or he's good at short tracks. Uh, he's really diversified his wins here a little bit. So you've got Dover, which is a one-mile track, but it's a, you know 24 degrees of banking. It's a super fast track. He got uh, um, uh, a win there. Then he got a win at Charlotte, which is a mile and a half track. And you know Charlotte's kind of a you know a dynamic track, especially if you get um, just different conditions or like a time change. The the conditions and the handling can change enough to where you really have to stay on top of the track and you know execute in in different types of scenarios there at Charlotte. He got a win there, and then he got a win at New Hampshire, which is another one-mile track, but it's like a short track. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's not a short track, it's a one-mile track. But you got to drive it like one because the corners are so flat. So he's, he's got these wins, but they're in three different kinds of places, Dover, Charlotte, New Hampshire. So you can see that he can excel and, and do really well. And just, you know, it wasn't a win, but it may as well have been uh, at Richmond this year in the cup car. I mean, he got second place there. And, you know, Richmond is a short track, it's three-quarter mile track, and um, tire wear is huge there, so giving him a car with a lot of horsepower, having to manage all that, I mean, he's done a stellar job. So what does his numbers look like in total for the Xfinity Series? He's got 44 top 10s, 23 top 5s, and 5 wins already. Plus, 
He hasn't won yet this season. It would not shock me at all for him to do that. So, uh, you know, we'll just anticipate that he's going to add some numbers to those statistics the rest of the season, but we'll have to wait and see if that happens. So then the question then becomes, what's the expectations for him, for Josh Berry going to Stuart Haas Racing in 2024? Well, obviously, Kevin Harvick set a high standard, but it's going to take some time for Josh Berry to work his way up to that standard, in my opinion. And I have a couple of reasons for that. One, Stuart Haas Racing is in a little bit of a slump right now. You, you see some little bits of success, a little bit of consistency here and there, but nothing that's like earth-shattering. You don't see all, all the cars from Stuart Haas Racing doing well, or it's kind of sporadic. And so it seems like there's a little bit of a slump in that organization to begin with. Now, he's proven he can drive a cup car, but to settle in with another team like Stuart Haas Racing, who's maybe... Uh, behind a little bit from an organization standpoint. So to settle in with a team and then to come out with consistent results, I think that's just going to take time for him to get settled in there. I, I, he's, I mean, it may be something like he's done with HMS this season where he just kind of pops into a car and, oh, look at that. He can drive really well and, and get some good consistent results. I just don't know that that's going to happen in this scenario. Now, I think he'll get there. I just don't think it's going to be out the gate. But we'll have to wait and see especially because there's an offseason. So what's he going to get done in the offseason with that organization and getting things moving, getting things going, uh, maybe making some subtle changes here and there to better their team? I don't know what's going to happen. I have no doubt that he's going to do well. I just think it could take a, a large chunk of a season or maybe the majority of a season for him to get consistent good results out of that four car. But we'll just have to wait to see. So then the question is, is Josh the right choice for the job? Is he the best driver to replace Kevin Harvick in, in the four car? Well, I think he is. I think you can look at the stats from the Xfinity series, as well as how competent he was in the cup cars this season. I think you can look at him and say, yeah, he's going to do well. It, it just maybe give him some time. You know, I'm not holding him to like a really high expectation right out the gate. I think, you know, give the guy some time. Give him, a, give him a season maybe to get his feet wet, get, get acclimated to a new organization, new team, new scenario, new crew chief, new everything, and, and see what he can do. So what do you think? I'd be curious to know if you think that Josh Berry is the right guy for the job in the four car. So let me know in the comments uh, on Instagram under this episode post if you think he's the right guy. So I'd be curious to know. Well, we're going to shift gears into a segment that we haven't done in a little bit. Uh, we've got a question that's been sent in. We're going to head over to the mailroom. Aaron from the website has submitted a question for us. So thank you, Aaron, for doing that. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to send a question in. And uh, the question is this. Who are your favorite NASCAR drivers? So just to give you a little bit of input into me and my background, I wasn't really a huge NASCAR fan until back in 2011, and specifically with the 2011 Daytona 500. If that, that year and race rings a bell, it's because the, the youngest guy ever to win the Daytona 500, at least at this point, uh, is Trevor Bain. He's the guy that got it done on that day, and at that race, that I, I wasn't there, but I watched it, that race is kind of what hooked me. Um, I really thought he was a you know, kind of an upstanding guy, good, good character kind of guy, and someone that I could get behind and, and cheer for, uh, had some similarities with, you know, faith and 
Um, just his personality, even maybe just, just, it it was a guy I could root for, you know, it was kind of an easy guy to pick. So that's, uh, initially what really got me into watching NASCAR. And so I just became instantly a Trevor Bain fan. Um, now, you know, I think everyone thought he was going to do extremely well in the cup series and, oh, you're going to see some great things from this kid and, you know, statements like that. You know, unfortunately he never did get another cup win. Um, he was close a few times and, you know, things just didn't go his way. Got some Xfinity wins here and there, but, uh, either way, I, ex- we expected more, but he just didn't get that. So, you know, he ran for the Wood Brothers in the 21 car, Roush Fenway in the six car, and then he lost his ride. I think it was 2017 or 2018 that, uh, he, uh, basically was just, you know, kicked out of the organization, wasn't allowed to race anymore, lost the funding. Uh, found, found out, <laughs> if I remember right, I think he found out on social media or something like that, that he was going to be replaced the next season. So, you know, what a way to go out there. But anyway, he got to come back, run some truck races, I think in 2020, maybe 2021 too. Uh, but then this last season in 2022, he, he got to run a number of races for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series uh, in the 18 car. And I think what we saw from that is that... It, he he's, he's he proved that he could still be competitive. You know, he got a pole. Uh, he won some stages. Uh, never did get the win, and I think the eight or nine races that he did in that 18 car. But uh, nonetheless, he's, he proved that he still had uh, some competitiveness uh, within his ability. So I'm hopeful that he's going to get a ride, uh, whether Xfinity Series, Truck, Cup, I really don't care. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, I've been a Trevor Bain fan since 2011 because of that win that he got, and I don't know that that's really ever going to change, uh, you know, my opinion whether or not he's he gets, uh, you know, whether or not he's a good driver. I think he's a good driver. I think equipment was a lot of the struggles that he faced. I think there's a lot to it, more than just equipment, more than just driver ability. Um, he, you know, he's got, um, he's on the uh, Sirius XM radio with Dave Moody every Tuesday. He shared some stuff on there that indicates that maybe uh, there were some things that he did from a personal standpoint within the organization that didn't push the team to grow and excel and improve uh, as much as he could have. I think it was more like he was kind of taking the you know, where they were lacking in speed, taking that upon himself as opposed to you know really pushing the team to improve. He was saying, how can I improve? So I think there's maybe some team communication dynamics there that maybe led to him not being as successful as he maybe could have been, but I think he's learned from that. So if he ever does get another chance to come back and run full-time or even a a solid part-time schedule, I think we're going to see different results out of him, but we'll just have to wait and see if that happens. So who's my favorite NASCAR driver? It's going to be him, first first of all. Now, beyond him, uh, I really don't have a driver. I've got a lot of guys I can root for, but I really don't have any one person that I'm a solid fan of. So, and, and one thing about me, which kind of maybe started back in 2011, is as I'm a sucker for a good underdog story. You know, whenever, I think it was last season, and even this season too, when Corey LaJoy was doing really well at Atlanta, the reconfigured Atlanta, man, I was all over that. I'm like, dude, if he can get the win, this is going to be so cool. Like, I was rooting for him. But I don't really root for him much any other day. It's just, you know, if there's someone who typically doesn't do well and they are doing well, I, I love to see them succeed. I, I love the uh, to see them do well, the excitement that they get from that. I just, I'm a sucker for an underdog story. So I really don't care who it is. I mean, 
you know, Chase Briscoe, I think it was, got the win at Phoenix. Um, you know, Chris Buescher doing well. Uh, I, I don't know. Just give me an underdog story. I'll root for it. That's kind of just how I roll. But beyond that, I'm a bit of a floater. You know, I, I like Mustangs. I'm a, I'm a Mustang guy. So if there's a Ford Mustang that's up there towards the front, I'm probably going to root for them to, to get the win, especially because they've kind of been behind a little bit this season. So I love to see them do well. But beyond that, I mean, just take your pick. Ross Chastain, Corey LaJoy, I don't know. Just, you know, I can float around between different guys, different drivers each race because I don't have a specific driver that's in it each and every week. And I've kind of learned to appreciate that. You know, for a while, when Trevor Bain lost his ride, it was hard to watch some races. As you know, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Kevin Harvick fan, I mean, what are you going to do next season when Kevin Harvick's not in the car anymore and it's Josh Berry? I mean, do you just take all that allegiance and transfer it to Josh Berry? I don't think so. I think you're, if you're a Kevin Harvick fan because you like Kevin Harvick, not because you like the four car. So it, it, it takes some adjusting. It takes some time. But what I've learned from that is because I don't have a specific driver, I can kind of just float around and watch the race and appreciate uh, different drivers at different times for them excelling and doing well. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. And it's been good for the show, too, this podcast, because I can kind of give you objective ideas and objective thoughts because I'm not, per se, biased on any one team or any one manufacturer, any one driver. Okay, I like Mustangs, but whatever. But like, I, I, I want to give you guys you know, the, the, the stuff that, that you want to hear and, and content that is, is neutral so that whether, you know, what, no matter what manufacturer you side with or like the most or root for, uh, this isn't just a uh, a Ford Mustang show or or you know Toyota Camry or Chevy Camaro like that's not how I want this to go. So, if I were to have a specific driver, it may lean that way. And I guess if Trevor Bain came back, yeah, I'd root for him. But uh, I still want to give you guys stuff that uh, is relatively neutral um, in in the way of information. So, just because I don't have a specific driver, it really lends itself well to that right now. And it makes it a lot of fun because each and every race, I can kind of look around the field, see see who maybe has been finishing outside the top 20 that's maybe inside the top 20 now. Or, or who's that 10th to 15th place guy that's been trying to break through and get into the top 10, get into the top 5, and then do really, really well. Like Michael McDowell, you know, he's been having a really good season. Or, uh, or whoever, you know, just a number of different drivers. It's been fun to be able to kind of float a bit and, and see some different drivers and gain a little bit of an appreciation for what these different guys have to go through, the work that they're putting in, the work ethic, the, the effort, and then to see them when they execute, the the excitement that they have, you know, even stuff. I think it was Corey LaJoy that said, I think they got like a top five. It might have been a second or third place finish. And they said it felt like a win just because of what they typically run. Uh, you know, that's cool to see. And I, I like to get behind that kind of stuff. So, yeah, my favorite my favorite NASCAR drivers is Trevor Bain. But since he's not racing, I'm really just all over the place. Uh, you know, give me an underdog story. Give me someone who doesn't normally do well and can go out there and get it done. I'm all about that. Well, let's look ahead to this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway for the Ally 400. Let's give you some track facts and general information that might be good to know going into the weekend. It's a 1.33-mile track, which may be kind of strange considering it calls itself a super speedway, but I think we do see some high speeds here. It's got a 14 degrees of banking in the turns, and something that's really unique about this track, it's not asphalt, it's concrete. And there's only one other track that's entirely concrete, and that's Dover. 
Um, I believe it's Martinsville and Bristol that maybe have some concrete here and there, maybe in the turns or something like that. But uh, uh, it's it, it, Dover and Nashville Super Speedway are the only two that are all concrete. And what does that mean? It means it's abrasive. Tire wear is going to be a huge factor in this race. Now, stages. We've got, uh, again, the three stages. Stage one ends at lap 90. Uh, stage two is a 95-lap stage, which, which ends at lap 185. And then the final stage, racing to the checkers, is 115 laps, uh, which is uh, the checkered flag will fly at lap 300. So what are some keys to success here? Obviously, this is a this is a no-brainer for like every racetrack, so I get that. But you need a balanced car, right? I mean, you need a car that gets into the corners good, gets off the corners good, something that is is not unhappy for the driver. Like it fits the driver's driving style and is something that they can uh, be flexible with. You don't want to be stuck to any one place. You want to be able to move around a little bit and still handle well. And I think that comes from a good balanced race car. So that's kind of a given. If you've got that, then what do you need? Well, you need a forward drive off of turns two and four. Basically, that's grip and the tires to be able to put the throttle down during turn exit so that whenever you do get to the exit of the turn, you can accelerate quicker than the guy in front of you. And basically, from what I've heard uh, from some other radio shows and some other drivers talking about this track, that's kind of your passing zone uh, is coming out of the turns, specifically turn two. So if you can set up a driver in front of you get a good run on him coming out of turn two, get around him on the back straightaway, have a good entrance into turn three, maintain that position coming out of turn four. That's kind of the the idea that I think these drivers are going to be looking for. And that comes from having good forward drive or good grip um, under acceleration coming out of the turns. Uh, So what else do you need? One more thing, I think you need momentum. Because this is a a high-speed track, it's kind of a D-shaped oval, momentum is key in a track like this. It's not like a short track where you can uh, maybe goof up a little bit on a turn and then kind of get that time back, whether you know you drive a little bit harder into the next turn or just you know work on your consistency. It's, I mean, you've got to be consistent the entire time. You've got to keep that momentum up and keep your speed up. It's so, so hard to get speed into the car, but it's so easy to lose it, so easy to scrub that speed, and that's what you don't want. So these drivers, they need to keep their momentum up. And how do they do that? Well, I think smooth inputs, smooth on the steering, smooth on the throttle, smooth on the brakes. You don't want to be doing anything quickly or aggressively that's going to hurt your tires primarily. Uh, And also it's going to hurt your lap times. But you need smooth inputs. And that also comes from a balanced race car. If the car will let you do it, then that's a great scenario. Smooth inputs. And that's kind of maybe what we saw out of Kyle Larson at uh, the All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro. You know, no one could even get close to him. I think that's because he had a car that was far superior and allowed him to kind of just drive wherever he wanted, however he wanted. Uh, And I think that's what we saw there. So smooth inputs, and like I said, with that comes tire management. If If you're able to be smooth with your car, smooth on the steering, easy on the gas and the brakes, then that's going to conserve tire wear. Uh, and being a concrete track, which is really abrasive, tire wear is going to be huge. It's going to be a big fall off. Uh, and you want to have the best lap times you can. So uh, it just it's going to take some tire management out of these guys. Having the smooth inputs in the, in the car to be able to maintain the tires as long as possible. Keep those lap times fast. So who are the ones to watch this weekend? Well, I've got three here. 
And just by chance, a little bit, you know, I mean, I think I would pick these guys either way. But I've got three different guys with three different manufacturers. So one from Chevy, one from Toyota, one from Ford. The one from Chevy is Chase Elliott. He's last year's winner. And the big deal with him is he can no longer point his way into the playoffs, meaning that if he doesn't get a win, he's not going to be in the playoffs. He, he cannot uh, just get in on points alone. He has to have a win. He's in a must-win situation, so therefore he's going to be super aggressive. And I, I can guarantee you that because of their win last season, this is a race that they've got marked high on their list as a, a strong potential to get that win. And he's got, he's got the drive, he's got the desire, he's got the competitiveness, he's got the urgency, right? Because he has to get this win. So watch Chase Elliott to be super aggressive and uh, to, to try to beat and bang his way into a win scenario here at Nashville. Second on my list is Martin Truex Jr. from Toyota. He's been on a hot streak lately, right? He won at Dover, which is the, again, it's, I mean, they're not uber similar, but it's the only other all-concrete track, so take that for what it's worth. But he won at Dover, and then he won the last race of the season at Sonoma. So he's got some momentum built up. He's a veteran driver. He knows how to handle a race car. If you give him a good, balanced race car like they did at Dover and at Sonoma, he's going to drive it to the front. So Martin Truex Jr., I think, could be one to watch from Toyota. And then from Ford, we've got Ryan Blaney on my list. He finished third at Dover this year, and he finished third here at Nashville last season. So he, he, he did well. Um, you know, we, we've been racing at Nashville for two seasons now. This will be the third race at Nashville. And uh, the first season, he qualified in 10th place, uh, Ryan Blaney did, but uh, then was involved in an incident and finished, um, I think, maybe tail end of the field, at the very least towards the very back. So anyways, didn't get a good finish in 2021. Then in 2022, he qualified 6th, finished 3rd. So again, he qualified 10th, he qualified in, in 2021, qualified 6th in 22. So he, he's got some good qualifying runs that he can count on here if he can execute that. And he's got the confidence from the Coca-Cola 600 win this season. So I think you get him in a good qualifying situation, give him a good car. Uh, he's got the confidence back in him from that big race win at, at Charlotte. I think he could be a, a dangerous one too to watch, uh, to, to be towards the front. Now the question is, who's on your list? You know, you, we've all got different drivers that we like and think are going to do well. And by the way, there's a number of drivers that I think could be on this list. It's this isn't like the the best of the best. I mean, obviously, you can never count out Kyle Busch. You can never count out Kyle Larson. I mean, he won this race in 2021, so he he should be on a list somewhere. He's just not on mine. Um, Let's see, uh, Austin Sendrick has raced here just last year, but finished seventh when he did. Um, uh, Tyler Reddick, I think, has got some good averages here. I mean, there's just there's drivers all over the place that should be on a list somewhere. So my list doesn't have to be your list, and I'm curious to know who you've got on your list. So on Saturday, I'm going to put a post out uh, on Instagram. The drivers that are on, you know, who, who's your ones to watch this weekend? And I'd be curious to know in the comments below that post what you think. So you got some favorite drivers that you, maybe not Chase Elliott, maybe not Martin Truex. Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is at least going to do well? Be competitive. I'd be curious to know. So find me on Instagram and let me know. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Stage Break. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, let a friend know. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the race at Nashville. And we'll catch you at the next Stage Break.